Welcome back, guys, to Hip Hop with Pop. I am your co-host, Rashad Myers. And I am Pop. We uh, really appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, we're going to kick a few songs back and forth and um, share some some music, some artists, and some stories, maybe. Uh, maybe ask a few questions and shake some trees and see what falls out. Cool? Way to go. That's right. it. So I guess we should... Um, we should, uh, quote unquote, pay some bills here, so uh, we will do the ads here. And we're back. Uh, so tonight, Pop, I got a young guy for you. And this guy, uh, his name is Kendrick Lamar Duckworth. He was born um, June 17th, 1987, raised in Compton, California. I know we have some uh, some family out that way, so I uh, would like to say hey to Cousin Robbie. Um, <laughs> uh, so this guy made his recording debut in 2010, and uh, another one in, dropped another album in 2011, 12, 15, 16, and 17. So he's been quite busy. Um, <clears throat> he won a Grammy for Best Rap Album. Uh, and that album's name was To Pimp a Butterfly. Uh, and that album incorporated elements of funk, soul, jazz, and spoken word poetry. So, well, wow. um, yeah. And you say he's from Compton? That's right, Compton, California. Uh, Compton seems to be a rich and fertile ground for artists, uh, both, both, both musical and people in film. What, what is the reason for that, do you think? I think. It is because there is struggle there. And when you see areas where, you know, the Brooklyn areas and uh, as, as we'll, as I continue to share some of these other artists with you, they all have this, most of them have this underlying theme of, you know, struggle, poverty, not very many, like, not, not great school systems, not very much opportunity. Mm. So I think that out of those trying those trying circumstances people find ways people express themselves and yeah yeah that's what I think well, well I think that's a good comparison you mentioned Brooklyn and Compton I think that's a that's a really good parallel in terms of uh, the people who many times migrated to those areas from other places most often ie the south and of course of course Brooklyn is uh, populated with a lot of people from many many nations of the world you, you can go to brooklyn and uh, basically uh, experience uh living uh in asia or or certainly western europe and the middle east and so forth and i think that also simply inspires creativity and mm -hmm. in looking at the world perhaps through different lenses and therefore people can come up with different ways to express themselves through music and through poetry and through writing uh, i'm thinking of a lady who grew up there herself from Brooklyn, and she was surrounded by this kind of of a community, and her name was Carol King. Okay. And she was able to write in a, a across different genres of music, hmm. and uh, and a great musician and and singer herself. But she was from Brooklyn. Yeah. 
Wow, that's an excellent point. Um, the the mixture and intersection of different cultures. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, artistic growth that happens when the, when that when that certainly happens. So yeah, yeah. Um, so this first album, uh, that a record that I'm going to play for you, is called Rigamortis. Uh, don't let the name scare you away. <laughs> but one of the reasons I chose this is because of the way he raps particularly in uh, like later on in the in the album yeah it's this is the first song that i heard by him um period and it's the one that said okay okay i gotta listen to more of what this mm. guy has to say and especially to see if he has different tricks i mean some some artists some artists kind of rap they they fall into um i guess you could say um, they get habits, and some guys rap fast all the time. Some guys develop certain, you know, cadences and things that they repeat, things mm -hmm. they like to do. And with any rapper, you want to see that they they have they have the skill to switch up the way they deliver a message. Yeah. So right now, you mentioned that Kendrick's is a young guy. Yes, yes, he's um, one of the younger guys in in the rap industry right now, and yeah. um, he's widely respected because yeah. of his lyrical ability. Do you think, uh, given his age, he had some people from the past whom, to whom he looked to as kind of uh, progenitors or people he, whose steps he's walking into, people he looked up to in the, in the genre of rap? Absolutely. Um, actually, he lists several uh, influences and in many of whom uh, you've already heard uh, on this podcast, so uh, just to mm. name a few, Tupac okay. um, on the last episode, uh, mm. Notorious B.I.G., Jay-Z, Nas, and Eminem. Those are his top five. So every, like I told you, everybody has a top five. Yes. Those are his top five. And then um, he lists other notables, uh, Most Def, who was one of my favorites as well, Snoop Dogg, DMX, Eazy-E, Lil Wayne, Rakim, who you've heard, Dr. Dre, who you've also heard. Um, a guy named Corrupt, who was also from Compton. So is Dr. Dre, of course. Um, Ice Cube, also from South Central. Uh, a group called Mob Deep. Miles Davis and the Parliament Funkadelic, whose, uh, ref whose influence you can see on the album I told you about, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. Hmm. Their, their work is, is very prevalent in that album. I would not have expected to hear Miles Davis in that mix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, what, what do you think that's, how, what does that come from? Uh, what's, what does Miles bring to this particular genre from the standpoint of jazz to, to rap? Well, um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where he picked him up at, but um, I know that to be as accomplished of an artist as he is, yeah, um, you kind of got to pull a little bit from everywhere. And, and okay. so, yeah. Yeah. Well, Miles was, uh, of course, in jazz, and he was always a pioneer. He was always doing something that was a little bit different from what the other people were doing of his of his time frame. Yeah, and so he was uh, plowing new fields, and maybe that's what maybe that's what was impressive to to Lamar about uh, Miles. He he didn't he didn't uh, fit into a lot of the categories that others have uh, have gone through as they emerged in that particular field of, of jazz back in the old days and in, in the 50s and 60s and so forth. So I just find a kind of interesting com uh, parallel or 
uh, well, if, if that's one of his uh, heroes, the people he modeled himself after uh, from that standpoint. Well, I would say that your description is accurate um, and applies to Lamar as well. Um, he's one of the only guys, well, I wouldn't say only, but he's really become quite proficient at making albums that are concept albums. So meaning, and I even feel bad playing you some of these because um, his albums are meant to be listened to from top to bottom. Like they're, it's like looking at one section of, of a mural. Like it's, it's difficult unless you have the context. So he's telling a story and you, yes. he, you need to piece, hear the entire pieces in order yes. to put the story together. Correct. Gotcha. In addition, uh, he's also what you call a conscious conscious rapper, which is a subgenre of hip hop that focuses on focuses on creating awareness and imparting knowledge. So you know he, he's he's not going to be, although some of his lyrics do um, involve violence. Typically, the conscious rappers decry violence and discrimination and other ailments of society. Mm -hmm. So um, they're more about the uplifting. Of their people, and you can hear um, you can hear a lot of that in his in his uh, in his his work. Um, he also won a Pulitzer Prize for music, which is uh, unique because uh, on the album "Damn" that one of these songs is on, mm -hmm. um, it's this is this is the first time that a non-classical and non-jazz album has ever won that award. Wow. So it's Pretty he's good. he's remarkable. Yeah. His writing is, you know, usually references racism, black empowerment, and social injustice. So, um, mm -hmm. and also he's noted as a devout Christian, um, converted to Christianity after the death of a friend. Uh, there's lots of religious themes tucked inside his music, um, and I'm sure you'll pick up on them mm. uh, as as we listen. But uh, if you're if you're interested, you can always Google it. Yeah, well, it's very encouraging that. Uh there is, you, you call it the consciousness message, that's mm -hmm. the, the kind of genre yeah. that that's being uh, fostered in the community in this particular music type. And uh, I think perhaps that may gain a greater, a wider audience of people listening to this music. There's something positive, uplifting, encouraging to the young people. Yeah. And uh, so I'm anxious to hear some of his lyrics. Okay, well, let's dive into it then. Okay. All right, here we go, third take. <laughs> Real quick, Ali. Mm. Got me breathing with dragons. I cracked the egg in your basket, you bastard. I'm merely Manson with madness. Now just imagine the magic I like to ask is don't ask for your favorite rapper. He dead. Yes, sir. Amen. Shucks. He dead. I killed him. Amen. Bitch. And this is rigor mortis and it's gorgeous when you die I leave recorded and I'm Morpheus, the matrix in my mind I'm out the orbit, you an orphan and the hairdresser combined I'm on the toilet when I rhyme and see the shit then I decline I climax when you begin and then I end on cloud nine And that's important when you morph into an angel in the sky And don't be forging all my signatures, my listeners reply And tell me that you bite me style, you got a hell of an appetite And I'm a beer for a while, just buckle up before the ride Or nothing up if you can buy we always making them double die It's soon tie, it's suitable and usual, it's suicide Yeah. 
<laughs> what do you think? Wow, that was a lot of uh, a lot of lyrics, a lot of words, and a short period of time. Uh, yep. He uh, speaks really fast and uh, to get his message out, and he makes uh, references to uh, some people in uh, this particular song about Pharaoh. Who is he? Who, who is that re referring to? Uh, that'd be Pharrell Williams. He's um, a producer. Okay. Legendary producer, uh, one half of the Neptunes. Okay. And um, he's got a really interesting story as well, as yeah. a matter of fact. But um, yeah, Pharrell Williams is one of the most prolific okay. producers in in the history mm -hmm. of. And he mentions J Rock and Soul and Q. Yeah, J Rock, Absol, and uh, Schoolboy Q. Those guys are um, on his label. Uh, okay. TDE Top Dog Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so it's not it's it's pretty common for guys to shout out members of the crew that they rap with or people that are on their album or mm -hmm. produce producers, producers which yeah. you'll see I wouldn't be surprised if we did some homework and f figured out maybe Pharrell might he might have produced that beat there um, so yeah it's it's not uncommon for for you to drop names of people that you're cool with yeah yeah uh, just in terms of uh, overall uh, view and uh of this particular genre, uh, certainly you can get this music uh, on the internet and and CDs and so forth. But is are there a lot of uh, personal appearances whereby uh, Lamar is in downtown St. Louis uh, on a Friday night and at a club, that sort of thing, and and uh, and and doing his uh, show? Or is there is there anything comparable to the old days where people went on the road to oh yeah yeah they tour a lot um you'll see a lot of um of course music festivals are very popular these yeah. days so where you get you know a hundred acts over three days right, right. and you just you know camp out or you know get a hotel and spend all day at the venue and just bounce from stage to stage and listen to who you want to listen to mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of really cool performers that way and Found out about a lot of cool performers I ordinarily wouldn't have bumped into across many genres. Okay. Yeah, there, there's there's been quite a few uh, that used to come to uh, Lou Fest when we had it, and I, that was the music festival that we used to have here in Forest Park. But right, yeah, funding issues and whatnot. So, um, okay. but yeah, these guys will. They'll tour quite a bit. You know, usually after the um, after the publishing of an album and. It's it's not uncommon for them to come into town, and although St. Louis isn't really uh, a huge um, con uh, concert spot, it's not. Yes. You know, you're going to see a lot more Memphises and Nashvilles and Chicago's on folks' tour schedules than um, than St. Louis. And I don't know why that is, but it's just something that I noticed. Mm. In terms of terms of uh, exports. Uh, we, we mentioned in the prior telecast, I think, uh, talked about blues being exported to England and coming back here and so forth. Is there a anything comparable to that in this genre where people in Europe, particularly English-speaking uh, countries like England or uh, Ireland, Scotland, do you, you know what the acceptance is, the popularity of this genre is in those areas? Uh, I think it's I think it's insanely popular. Yes, um, I know that they have access to all of our music, right? Yes, you know, um, and yet our guys have inspired and 
motivated some of their folks over across the pond to to um mm. to to show their skills and to hone their craft so while some of the artists you know they might not have made it big over there yet it's not to say that they might not or won't or whatever but um the hip-hop community is growing and it's global mm-hmm. so acts can be regional or national or sometimes global mm-hmm. um but you know it all depends on the artist i guess okay. well. their skill mm-hmm. how much they how much they relate to to artists or kids who mm-hmm. are going through similar yeah. things yeah in my t- travels uh, certainly to the uk i've uh, seen western uh, caribbean music uh from the bahamas and from jamaica and those areas in uh in europe particularly in in england and so forth and so i would assume uh uh, that that would be the same thing that would happening with uh, hip hop and and rap as well, uh, gaining f- f- foothold and English ask you areas. This. I, mean, I know that radio was largely responsible for the careers of artists when you were younger, coming up. Right. So, how what what was the path to a blues musician going from playing shows at the Pilahatchee? prom or whatever to you know getting some gigs here or there and then moving to memphis or maybe to chicago what was what was that like how did they get how did they they spread their brand primarily uh in in those days it had to do with uh what we call nightclubs Hmm. whereby an artist let us say in pillahatch or jackson i've heard of those before what uh and that was a circuit Hmm. and uh the, the, these nightclubs m- mainly open on the weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, where people would go and and uh, and hear great music and uh, dance and so forth. And so many of the ba- the bands and artists, blues artists, was simply they had uh, they had buses, they had a, a band of a cars, and they just traveled one place to another. Hmm. And many times uh, they would uh, go to a little little town, let us say from from uh, Jackson to Meridian, and once they're there, they start talking to club owners that we're available tonight, can yeah. we play at your club, and, and kind of spread, home. yeah, that's that's the way it, way it happened. Uh, and people moved around uh, from one place to another uh, throughout the South. And there were some artists, we'll talk about some of those uh, going forward here, is that they did not go to Chicago, they mm-hmm. stayed primarily in the South. And uh, they went from Texas to Arkansas and Tennessee, uh, to the Carolinas, Florida, Georgia, and that's where they remained. They didn't. They didn't go to Chicago. They didn't go to New York. Who do you think was? I, I should probably wait to ask you this, but who who do you think was good? Who should have been bigger? Who should have been bigger, but just didn't make it for whatever reason? As big as say the, you know, the BBs and the Howlin' Wolves and all those guys. There was a guy from Jackson, Mississippi, and I have to know him. I know him in the, in the sense of I listened to his music mm-hmm. uh, growing up, and he uh, he I would say probably maybe eight or ten years older than I am, but his name we have something in common. We have the same last name. Okay. His name was Sam Myers. Okay. And uh, he had a number of uh, local uh, hits around Jackson, he had a, a label that he played, that he uh, recorded with around Jackson and so forth. And he, he played around Meridian, uh, Vicksburg, um, 
Gulf Coast, Biloxi, and so forth. He didn't go much, maybe New Orleans, he didn't go much beyond that, but he never made it, quote, really, really big. He hmm. had an outstanding voice, uh, a great presence on the stage, and uh, but he just remained a local guy. Yeah. Um, let's see. Do you remember any of his songs? Yeah, one of which was Sleeping in the Ground, as I recall. I'd rather see you sleeping in the ground. Or oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, okay. that's blues for you, Sam Myers. Yeah, I think I might have found him here. Um, I got the blues eyesight to the blind. Yeah, that's it. That's him. Yeah. Okay. Here, let me see here. Was he playing the harmonica too? Yes. Wow. He played harmonica. Okay, well we'll we'll swing back and unpack some yeah, of that yeah, sometime yeah. soon here. But he's one guy who never made it big. In fact, you never heard of him, perhaps. Right, no. No. Yeah. And you would not have heard of him if you had lived in St. Louis or Chicago. Maybe even Memphis, you would not have heard of this guy. Huh. But I knew him because he was real known in our local community around in mid-central Mississippi. Um, well, okay, so his name is Myers. It's yes. spelled the same. Begs the question, any relation at all? Relationship? Yeah, any relation at all? Not that I can determine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Man. <laughs> All right, I was hoping for maybe some free lessons or something. Yeah. <laughs> that family discount. All right, then. So who you got? Willie Dixon okay. and uh, Spoonful. Here we go. That's Willie Dixon. Very nice. Okay. So what about Willie Dixon? And well, I admit I have a personal favor, favorite uh, view of him because he is from Vicksburg, Mississippi. I okay. may have mentioned that before. And I taught high school in, in Vicksburg, Mississippi. And uh, I connect with him on, on that basis. And Willie Dixon left Mississippi as, as a young man and went to Chicago. 
And what I really appreciate about him is that he was a multi-talented guy. He was a bass player as his, as his uh, instrument of music. He played bass as a studio musician for Chess Records. But in addition to which, he was a writer, arranger, producer, and he went out from Chicago to search out new talent for chess records, okay. new people that no one had ever heard of and so forth. He would sign them as an agent himself and then turn them over to chess records. And uh, because of all of that, I just have a tremendous amount of respect uh, for him uh, as, as a, as a multi-talented uh, person in the, this particular uh, type of music. And he wrote what you just heard, Spoonful, and recorded it himself later. But it was first recorded by Howlin' Wolf and made famous by Howlin' Wolf. Uh, and of course, uh, he also wrote for other people as well, uh, the studio musician, like Coco Taylor and Junior Wells and, um, and uh, Little Walter. Uh, and others uh, in the in the at chess, and so he's just a tremendous uh, artist from that standpoint. Okay, that's cool. I liked the fact that he gave the the piano player a little bit of a solo there. <laughs> yeah, can the piano player get some? Yeah, that was cool. That was a good song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're you're right. I I have heard that, notably by Holland. No, yeah, by Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so next up is a song called Swimming Pools. This one, if I were to, yeah, yeah. this one's about, um, to me it's about substance abuse, alcoholism. Mm. Um, so I want you to listen to this song and let me know what you think. Okay. Pull up, Frank, Frank. headshot, Frank, Frank. sit down, Frank, Frank. stand up, Frank, Frank. pass out, Frank, Frank. wake up, Frank, Frank. fade it, Frank, Frank. fade it. think well I was going to ask you uh, there's a lot of uh, some lot of repetition here about drinking and so forth but uh, I can I, I can read through the the lyrics but what do you think 
was his key key message he was trying to get across in this was it simply uh, this is how I operate and uh, and, and live my life. Uh, is there what was there something beyond the lyrics that that you think he's, he was trying to get across here? I think he was trying to get across here um, the idea that peer pressure is very real. Um, he mentions somebody says to him like, "Why don't you turn it up a notch?" You know, mm -hmm. um, and you, you obviously you heard that and. He talked about just the the him having a, a conversation with his own conscience, and um, how he knows it's poison and he's abusing his limit. So I think he's, you know, he's he's looking at this like a I need to you know check this part about myself mm -hmm. and not be so susceptible to the to what's going on around me and to get caught up in this this trap uh, this okay. this this repetition of getting drunk and then, you know, passing out and waking up and starting to drink again. You know what I'm saying? So, yes. Yeah. I, okay. Okay. I also think, you know, there's all, like I said, the, the element of, um, of peer pressure where, you know, I shoot, then mm -hmm. you shoot. So, yep. like, this is a, a metaphor for, you know, not thinking for yourself can land you doing some things that you probably don't want to be doing in the first place. Like. Okay. That's pretty okay. serious when you when you start mm -hmm. when you go from trying to follow somebody else and drink yeah. with somebody to then you end up you know so really it's kind of outlining a course of action of uh, of the drinking and pouring in the head shops and sitting down is something that you, you don't want to to repeat or do as and 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 be successful in life you've got to move beyond that basically is I think is yeah, I mean he writing. I, I think talking so. Talking about you know he's he's uh granddaddy had the golden flask backstroke every day in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. You know so I think to an extent yeah okay if you want to go out every now and then that's fine but d mm -hmm. don't 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 get it don't make it like to where you're trying to kill your sorrows every day to where it's gotcha. you know mm. like he even says here some people want to fit in with the popular that was my problem. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Let me ask you. What was peer pressure like when you were coming up? Did you guys have much of that? Was was there much alcoholism, drug abuse, that kind of thing? I probably not in your little not, town, not, but not not drug and not for young people. Uh, alcoholism was an issue for adults, normally older older guys, not not women. Sometimes uh, older old, older guys in the in the community, but uh, we didn't we didn't have any any drugs and there wasn't very little peer pressure, at least in my immediate circle, because there were kind of two sets of uh, teenagers. I'm talking about 16, 17, 18 year olds, what have you. Uh, there were two sets of people. There were the people that I hung around with. We were the guys in school. Our focus was on really a couple of things maybe three things number one as i mentioned before always having a part-time job to have money in your pocket uh sports um, the guys i hung around with uh we we were into sports uh playing basketball and and uh football when before that was just discontinued and baseball that was that was our focus and the third one was of course uh uh teenage girl girls okay. we all had girlfriends or, or trying to have them had girlfriends <laughs> and so forth yeah. and uh 
It was simply and the being able to to take a girl after the ball game was over, take a girl and walk her home after the party, and maybe not pick her up, but at least in the community, walk her home after the uh, after the ball game or after the, uh, a uh, record hop and so forth, and that was a big deal. Mm. Okay. And uh, but the the other guys that was not a part of our group were the guys who were not athletes. They were not focused on uh, athletics. Uh, for any, they were primarily guys in the community that hung around uh, uh, what we call the bars, and uh, they had the cars, and they had uh, they had money in their pocket. But they were kind of the just on the outside of the of our club, mm. basically. And uh, they, were, they didn't put any pressure on us and because we didn't want to be like them and they didn't want to be like us. Hmm. That was the kind so of the two. What about, what about when you went to college? What, did, that, did that all change? I mean, uh, what, what did you see there? Did, was it more, more of the same thing? I know things kind of change once you go, away, go to, way to school. And well, what I saw in uh, college was uh, a lot of people like myself in terms of uh, the same work ethic. Many yeah. of us, even though we were in school full time, had part time jobs. Yeah, so it was more Group A, you more, more, more like minded people. Exactly. So, and what I found there is that it was for the first time, I encountered people from another culture. Hmm. We had a few African students on on campus way back back in those days. No kidding. And we had a number of students who would who would come down from Chicago. Uh, and from uh, Philadelphia, and these were people who a generation earlier had gone to Chicago, Pennsylvania, and they're now sending their children back mm. to Mississippi for education. Hmm. And so my first encounter with students, uh, people from the East Coast and from Chicago and from Africa, and that was just really kind of neat, my experience there. Yeah. Huh. And one of my best buddies was a guy way back then was from Kenya. He and I hung around together on campus and because uh, I enjoyed uh, listening to him talk a different accent yeah yeah, yeah. A, a guy from Mississippi and listening to a guy from Kenya <laughs> <laughs> I understand that's cool yeah who's up next for you then sir the next one up for me is little junior Parker okay and uh, we're going to be listening to him uh, on uh, is it uh, boy I hope he was small with a name like little junior Parker yeah. <laughs> Junior uh, driving wheel is yeah. that we? Okay, here we go. My baby Uh, incredible voice control. Indeed, he did. That's Little Junior Parker, and uh, 
driving wheel. So what, what do you think uh, Little Junior was trying to get across with this particular record, uh, uh, piece of music, driving wheel? What does that conjure up? Well, driving wheel, I would think steering wheel maybe at yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I would go with that a little bit. Well, in, in the South, the idea of a driving wheel was the main thing of drive somebody who is trying to get somewhere, okay. uh, trying to achieve something, and nothing will stand in the way of the goal that's in mind. And so, the pursuing, the the the, the effort, uh, the hustle and bustle will be put into good use in order to achieve that goal. And he says from the very very beginning, my baby does, my girlfriend, my my woman, my wife does not have to rob and steal. She mm. doesn't have to work because I'm going to provide for her. Hmm. I'm going to drive. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get everything that she needs and therefore we're going to have a good relationship. And the and that, that was the kind of a stereotype idea as I said before from in the South where people in my group in my age uh, time frame was simply the world was an oyster. We could achieve anything. We could do, go any place. We can do anything, and, though if, and therefore, it only took one thing, and that was drive, hard work. Hmm. And we were, we were, we were. I didn't even know what the uh, Jamaican stereotype was back then. <laughs> but you know the stereotype of Jamaican, right? Oh, Working yeah. three jobs. Yeah. Well, that's who we were back in those days. We worked as much as we could to get as much money as we could so that we can be independent as, as much as we could. Hmm. And that was a stereotype. And that's what Junior Park is, is talking about here in Driving Wheel. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to need to listen to it again then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Okay, so what do you have next? Last one. I think I played this one for you back in the day. I'm not sure if you remembered it. But this one is called uh, Duckworth. Another one by uh, Mr. Kendrick Lamar here. Okay. This one is from the Pulitzer Prize winning album. And it's the last one. And at the very end, he says, so I was walking the other day. And that is actually how the... Um, so I was taking a walk the other day, and that's actually how the album begins. Mm -hmm. So this is um, another example of this being a piece of the puzzle. You're only seeing a piece of the puzzle. So mm -hmm. it takes you through a, a myriad of sounds and emotions and, and moods in this album. And then this is the, 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 the last song on that album. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So okay. let's, let's, give it a, let's give it a go. We'll see how you, how you feel about it. Fellowship with demons and relatives, I'm a star. Life is one funny motherfucker. 
a true comedian, you gotta level, you gotta trust them. I might be bugging, infomercials and no sleep. Introverted by my thoughts, should you listen to gets deep? You once upon a time inside the Nicholson Garden projects, the object was the process and digest poverty's dialect. Adaptation inevitable, gun violence scratched by federal policies, way builders and drug professionals. Anthony was the oldest of seven, well respected, calm and collected. Laughing and joking made life easier. Hard times, mom on crack. A 40 year old telling his nanny he needed her. His family history pimping and banking. He was meant to be dangerous. Clocked him a group and start slanking. 15 stepping up his jeans with quarter pieces. Even got some air from a smoker last weekend. Got your policeman working for a kick on me. Small time hustler graduated to a brick on him. Get thousand dollars out of for project housing. That's on the daily. Seen his first meal 20 years old. Had a couple of babies. Had a couple of shooters. Caught a murder case. Fingerprints on the gun. They assuming, but witnesses couldn't prove it. That was back when he jumped his back and they killed his cousin. He beat the case and went back to hustling. Bird shuffling. Anthony Rain. The first in the projects with the two-tone Mustang. That 5.0 thing. They say 5-0 came. Circling parking lots and parking spots and hopping out while harassing the corner blocks. Crooked cops told Anthony he should kick it. He brushed them off and walked back to the Kentucky Fried Chicken. See at this chicken spot that was a light-skinned nigga that talked a lot with a curly top and a gap in his teeth. He worked the window. His nigga... So that was the whole album played in reverse at the very end there. There was a lot going on in that particular piece. Yeah. Tremendous amount of material covered. Wasn't well, uh, that a cool story? Yes. Uh, and I'd like to hear it again at, uh, at, uh, and reflect upon that. But And he starts out with something rather interesting here. Plays a little bit of an old uh, blues recording. Ted Taylor, mm -hmm. darling, I told you many times, and I'm telling you once again, just to remind you, sweetheart, that that's, mm -hmm. well, I don't know if you're familiar with Ted Taylor or not. I'm not familiar with that song at all. What can you tell me about it? Ted Taylor was very popular back in the 1950s, uh, and he, he he didn't make it too much beyond uh, maybe early 60s uh, time frame, and it, but he was Popular in the 1950s, and he had one classic record that anybody who grew up in the South in that time frame in the 50s and 60s, and it was called Be Ever Wonderful. And sometimes you get a chance to listen to some old music, look up Be Ever Wonderful. Mm. It is uh, just a tremendous uh, lyric uh, song uh, about a young man's love for his girlfriend and so forth. The, for, you can dance and slow drag, and and he has some other recordings as well, but none nearly as well as Be Ever Wonderful. Okay. Uh, in fact, there was a, a disc, disc jockey. When I first came to St. Louis, uh, he would play that song as his theme song coming on to the, to the radio station. I don't remember his name, but he would always play that theme song, Be Ever Wonderful. So mm. that would bring back a lot of memories for me, just does, to mention Ted Taylor. How does that make you feel when you hear a song from like 2017 uh, and it starts off with a song that you heard back in the 50s? How, what's that like? Well, it's, it's rewarding, it's encouraging, refreshing to uh, hear people make the connection. Mm -hmm. And I think music like uh, other, uh, like poetry, uh, great literature, novels, stand the test of time and yeah. so with Lamar's lyrics, uh, if, if they're as great as we think that they are, 
uh, people will be listening to them uh, 20 and 30 and 50 years from now, just as we go back to listening to Ted Taylor yeah. and B.B. King. That's cool. I'll, and I'll so look forth. Up. Yeah. That's very cool. I'm, I didn't even know that, that, um, that you knew that guy. I yeah. didn't know about the history between, uh, you know, yeah. that particular bit, so. And then uh, also there are lyrics here talks about the, talks about Chicago. Yeah. The Robert Taylor Holmes. Mm -hmm. I know where they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. he's covering a lot of territory. Uh, th there's a lot of connection between, uh, again, blues and uh, this genre mm -hmm. uh, based on cities. You mentioned earlier about Brooklyn and, 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 uh, and Compton, but uh, here, you know, Mississippi and Memphis and Chicago, uh, you got to probably throw in, throw in Atlanta to some degree in that mm -hmm. regard, but mm -hmm. there's just a lot, of, a lot of connection between these cities. Yeah. Philadelphia, that yeah. comes into play. And, well, uh, we'll, we'll, hear, we'll hear a little bit about Philadelphia in the next episode. That's great okay. foreshadowing there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Now, so who do you have next? Oh, okay. Next on my agenda is, uh, I mentioned just Memphis. Just mm -hmm. mentioned Memphis. I'm going to mention a lady from Memphis. Her name is Coco Taylor. That's her stage name at least. And she got that name uh, because as a young kid, she mm -hmm. enjoyed drinking hot chocolate cocoa. Okay. And, uh, and then at an early age, as a young lady, she moved to Chicago. And uh, she also had connection with uh, the fellow I mentioned before, Willie Dixon. Okay. And he was instrumental in her career at Chess Records, and he wrote some songs for her while he uh, was there, and, and uh, she was there. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to hear a record that Willie Dixon wrote for her, Wang Dang Doodle. Okay, great. Uh, worth mentioning here that this is the first, uh, the first lady to be female, uh, to be female to be featured on um, on hip hop with pop. So congratulations, yeah. Coco Taylor. Uh, I know she's done. I know she's since passed away, but all right, so cool. <laughs> Thank you. 
There was a mention of snuff juice. Yeah. <laughs> if you're at a great party, why would you <laughs> bother to chew snuff or dip snuff? Well, people smoked camels and Chesterfields and they dipped snuff and they chewed tobacco mm. back in those days. Okay. And they drank a lot of corn liquor and a lot of home brew. And so she is uh, simply just talking about what you would find at a dance party, at a at a wang dang doodle. At a wang dang doodle. Uh, in traveling to the Carolinas, you have an uncle down there, Uncle June. Mm -hmm. And when I first started going to Carolinas, he was always talking about we're gonna throw down tonight, throw down. <laughs> well, in Mississippi, we could, we would say we're gonna have a wang dang doodle tonight. That's the difference. Throw down's a little bit smoother, a little yeah. bit cooler. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true. Doodle. We're going to have it's a wang dang doodle. A little bit more country. Uh, and uh, again, this particular piece of music was written, the lyrics were written and uh, arranged by Willie Dixon. Was it now? I'll tell you and what, she has a powerful voice. She did. Yeah. Uh, she did. And, and, and Dixon all, uh, also played bass on this particular recording. Oh, okay. And uh, what's interesting about uh, Coco is that she went up from Memphis to uh, Chicago and she moved into a high-rise apartment uh, on the south side in the 30th, 3,000, 4,000 block, not too far south, not too far uh, from downtown. Mm -hmm. And she became a famous artist, but she still stayed, stayed and remained in that small apartment all of, the, all of her career. Wow. And she could afford to have moved to the suburb. She could have afforded to move to Peel Hill mm -hmm. in, Chicago, in Chicago. You ever heard of Peel Hill in no. Chicago? Mm -hmm. Okay, Peel Hill was on the south side of Chicago in the uh, 60s, 70s, uh, thousand block, there about 80s, maybe further. And it was a place where as uh, you became a professional, maybe you were an engineer, uh, but most particularly, you were a doctor or a dentist. And so there were so many doctors there, it, that era became known as Peel Hill, people giving out pills, oh, med okay. medication. Hmm. All okay. the doctors were in, in, in high-income people yeah, yeah, on yeah. the south side. But they didn't move to, to the suburbs. They stayed in, in Chicago, in Peel Hill. Peel Hill. But Coco, Coco could have moved there, but she didn't. She stayed in the high-rises uh, in, in the near south side of Chicago. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I actually have one of her albums. Uh, maybe it's a Greatest Hits album downloaded. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoy her music quite a bit. Yeah. Well, that does it for this episode of Hip Hop with Pop. We want to say thank you to our wonderful sponsors, 314 City Gear. Uh, MP Home Co. and Leah Myers with Keller Williams. Look forward to the next episode, and we hope you do too. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. All right.